Welcome back, conscious listeners. This week, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, true wants and desires. Aside from our needs and our basic needs being met, and then our needs in relationship and our needs to be able to connect to ourselves, I want to explore our desires. And I want to also unpack what it's like to want something and desire for something and how that can be alienating if it doesn't align with what the collective wants or what society tells us we should want. And where this kind of starts is when I see kids in play therapy and oftentimes parents have expectations of how they want their children to behave. But here's the thing. Sometimes it's tricky because sometimes the expectations that the parents hold aren't actually their own expectations. Sometimes it's the societal pressures, the familial pressures, or even just the external expectations that things have to go a certain way. And whenever I can tell when this is happening is when, you know, parents say one thing, but then they behave in a different way. So they might say, hey, I have this goal for my child, but then their behavior shows up completely different. And it indicates to me that, oh my gosh, this is not what you actually want, even though you're telling me it's what you want. And for one, I think parents do this because they want me as a professional to believe that like they're doing the right thing and they're taking the right steps and they're taking good care of themselves and others. And that's totally understandable. Yet to not be in alignment or in your integrity models lying and models um, that it's not okay to speak your truth, right? And so much easier said than done, but it's such a struggle And I think that parents want to seem like they have it all together. And when they're comparing themselves to other families or when they're asking other families that they're, what their opinions are, like there can be a lot of unconscious shame that goes into relating and comparing and, you know, holding yourself to a standard that like, you know, society says you need to be following, right? And when I work with parents, what we do is we work to expand our trust with ourselves so that we can trust and listen and follow that inner voice within us, right? In order for parents to be accountable for what they desire, they need to be able to listen and hear that voice within They need to be willing to see their own projections. They need to be willing to receive feedback and respond accordingly and to illuminate their blind spots in order to grow and change and shift and evolve. And when there isn't a willingness to lean into these discomforts, that's where we run into an issue with accountability. Because what I'm working on with parents is to model and display and to show accountability, right? Because every action, every single action is communicating, right? More than language ever could. 
And so the way that you show up in your behavior says so much about how you are or aren't willing to be accountable for your action, right? And what I'm noticing, you know, especially with, um, you know, external forces, right? There tends to be a big lack of accountability for personal experience. So, you know, let's say that a child um, gets sent home from school, or let's say that a child is having a challenging time, like adapting to the school day, you know, what tends to happen is that there is a big lack of accountability for like the teacher's experience or for the classroom collective group experience. And this is something that I want to see shift and change, right? Because can you see where this can be problematic? I feel like there is so much pressure and unconscious shame, right? Unconscious shame just means when we say to our child, we don't do that. We don't hit. We don't kick. We don't blank, right? That's unconscious shame. So there is so much pressure and unconscious shame placed on the child to one, stop their natural, probably appropriate expression for what's at hand, right? And putting pressure on them to do so in a certain time frame, right? We always put these time frames on our kids. Like, for example, oh my gosh, they need to be ready for kindergarten. And so therefore they have to behave this certain way before they get there, right? Where did we come up with this and why? Love to know. And right, it's like, how are kids supposed to know who they are? Especially if they're working on practicing trusting themselves, right? If they don't know who they feel safe around or safe enough to turn to, right? Do they want to find and gravitate and, you know, magnetize towards someone who allows them to exist as they are for social emotional understanding of appropriate developmental stages and expectations, right? For patience or for process and reassurance over time. Or are they going to gravitate towards someone who is, you know, seeing them for who they are and for who fails to share their own personal experience in the dynamic of relating, right? When there is that lack of their own emotional integrity and emotional intelligence, this is so problematic and actually really toxic because what that models to our children is that you can bypass your way through feeling and you can blame your way and you can shame your way through feeling. And basically, you know, like feelings, right? Like get to be dismissed. And that is so unfair to someone who is learning and developing and growing and changing in the world, right? 
We all have needs and wants and desires. And for our desires to be met, we actually have to ask for what we want. And we actually have to ask for what we need, right? But there comes so much risk with, you know, emotional risk with asking for what we need because sometimes there's so much fear around not being met in our need or being abandoned for who we are in what we need. And I know there's so much room for this to change. As soon as we develop and harness an awareness around the fact that, wow, I didn't realize I was showing up in a really shameful way. That is, that is when we get to shift and change. It's not until we realize, it's not until we recognize that we are building our awareness of, oh, this might actually be the first time I'm thinking about how I show up in this dynamic. Whoa, this might be the first time I'm considering my role in relationship, right? And I want you to know, you're not going to be perfect. And first of all, your kids already know that. But what they need from you is to own up to that. What they need from you is to demonstrate the authenticity that life provides naturally, right? Accountability, big time. Because when we unconsciously shame our children into saying, you know, we don't do this, we don't do that, right? One, we're denying the fact that it didn't just already happen, right? It's likely we're triggered and it's likely we're feeling insecure, right? Because what's the setup when we tell our child, we don't hit? What, what setup does that create? What kind of setup does that create? And how, one, is your child setting you up to feel, right? And then two, how are you responding by setting them up to feel? What are they feeling in response to your response? They're probably feeling wrong, bad, insecure, the shame, the blame, right? Feeling discluded, feeling singled out, feeling like they're a problem or that they're the only one, right? And we wonder why our children have trouble relating or our children have trouble sharing or maybe why our children are bossy or maybe why our children you know, have a tricky time. And what that tells me is that their adult relationships are failing. And it's not to say that with any judgment, but it's to say that with deep care and consideration for the fact that I know they deserve better. And I know that as adults in their life, we can do better, right? We can rise to that occasion and we're so there for it. So can the setup actually guide us in a new direction of a corrective emotional experience rather than a place where we get down on ourselves, rather than a place that we feel defeated or that we self-sabotage or that we feel like a victim, right? Because 
when we're set up to feel, it is a huge learning curve and it is a huge teaching moment for our children, right? Like I think about how teachers are in class and whenever there is an emotional upset or an emotional disruption, like the need is to single out the kid and and like send them to the office or, you know, like put them in like an isolating position, right? And that's what we know now is that that is not helpful. What's helpful is they actually need a little bit more connection. They need to be leaned into in those feeling-based experiences. And what it comes to mind is, whoa, what if we could reframe that for the whole class to experience something valuable, right? But rather it's like, we always get stuck. It's like, oh, we got to get to the agenda. We got to get to the curriculum. We got to get to the next thing. But really it's like, whoa, what if the moment that was actually like just presenting itself naturally, what if that was the most valuable piece of learning that we could be doing, right? And oftentimes we don't think about it that way because we don't have the skills of self-trust. And that is exactly what we need to foster with our kids. How are they going to be able to trust their intuition if we don't let them and allow them to do so now at such a young age? It has to start before they're going to be needing to use it. So rather than having an agenda, right, rather than, you know, having this toxic relationship to shame, right? It's hurtful. It's painful. It's self-destructive. It's outdated, right? It's horribly imprinted on how we, you know, lay the foundation on the next generation, right? And you know what? It's time to say goodbye to the not good enough. It's time to say goodbye to the inadequate. It's time to say goodbye to the fearful. It's time to say goodbye to the drama triangle, right? It's so time to take the leap into self-expression because we're ready for it. We're so ready to be there. Like where there is recognition of wisdom of the best response that could accurately resource at that moment in time is emotional intelligence, is emotional maturity, right? Because we have to ask ourselves, where did our child learn or take information in from, right? It's the internal environment and the external environment, right? So every behavior that they demonstrate is a communication tool. Children do not have their cognition developed yet. Therefore, they're in their emotional brain and then in their survival brain, And when they're in those places, do we allow them to feel safe enough to express or do we squash, sit on, suppress, and crush their spirit on, you know, their life purpose, right? Do we find these maladaptive coping strategies because we don't have another way, right? And when do we take the accountability for not knowing what to do? or not knowing how to be in relationship before we put it on our children, right? This needs to take accountability and it needs to happen quickly because I'm done seeing children take on more than what is theirs, right? 
And when we do that, when we punish because a behavior is not in alignment with one of our values, when we punish, then we suppress the emotion, right? But let's say it's a behavior that we don't like and we start to reframe it and we say something like, wow, I'm noticing that those kicks really need to come out. Okay. I know we can't hurt anyone. I'm wondering if we can, you know, put that energy from those kicks somewhere else. I'm wondering if we can stomp it out. I'm wondering if there's a different way, like let's figure out a different way together. You know, what would be most helpful to hear right now? right? Allowing them to be in charge of their own experience and their own um, emotional intelligence. Because when we reframe it, then the need actually gets met, right? It's kind of like in play therapy. When they have a space to adequately express their emotions and feelings, it's likely that they're not going to have to be over the top and act out in other areas of their life when they have that space that's carved out for them, right? Of all the things that parents are afraid of, let that happen in the playroom. Let that happen so that when it comes to life, like that's not going to be, it's not going to feel like a last resort kind of situation, right? So in order for us to be in integrity, and to have responsibility and emotional allowance for what we want and what we desire, we must convey and communicate and advocate for our own needs within ourselves, right? What we need to do is continue to encourage challenging emotions to arise when they do. Like let's encourage that rather than be quick to shut it down, right? Because ironically, what we need and what we want is usually something we can detect in our own intelligence, right? Because the challenging emotions are required for a genuine, authentic human experience. We cannot have, you know, the pleasant, favorable emotions only. They need to coexist with the more challenging Emotions that bring up a lot of discomfort within us. So, so rather than putting all the pressure on the child to change, right? We can then start to see, oh gosh, maybe this isn't so healthy, right? But we have to start asking ourselves, what is our personal role, right? Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So either the volcano of emotion is going to erupt, right? When our child explodes because they're overwhelmed and can't handle another minute. Or with buildup, with pressure, right? We can start to see the signs along the way and we can lean into those hot spots so that it's not all like, you know, blowing up at once. All right, conscious parents, I hope you took something away today. If you found this episode particularly helpful, please share it with someone that you know would value it and appreciate it. And take good care this week, okay? I'll see you guys on the flip side. Toodles.